Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of Touchdown Denver. I am George Stoya alongside my good co host, Nick Ferguson. Nick, how are you doing this beautiful Tuesday morning? Hey, man, I am doing spectacular. And I know Broncos country is doing fabulous as well. How are you doing? We have a coach. I'm great. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm super excited, Nick. I feel like yesterday uh, was a very good day for, for Broncos fans. Uh, Sean Payton was officially introduced as the head coach at his press conference. Uh, I thought it was really impressive, Nick. I thought I asked the question of the day. I asked about the orange tie that he was wearing on NFL on Fox. Uh, he gave me a good answer. Um, so I'm feeling really good, Nick. I don't know. What was your takeaway from the press conference yesterday? Uh, the one that George is uh, bringing his arm, patting himself on the back for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it, it was a great press conference. And how he started out really with the opening statement. And I have to say this. There haven't been too many, uh, I guess, press conferences that I've attended where there was an opening statement. We saw Jerry Rosberg do that when he took over with the opening statement. And then now, you know, Sean Payton, and he's doing that. Now, I'm wondering, is is this a trend being set now uh, before anyone asks any questions where will the head coach now have an opening statement? I hope not, but it was uh, a great opening press conference, seeing uh, George, uh, George there and seeing Greg Penner there and Sean Payton's family sitting in the front row. Uh, it was uh, spectacular. And uh, this is what you expect from an experienced head coach. Let's be totally honest. I mean, a guy with over 15 years in the NFL, and I, I, for me personally, George, I feel as though the time that he spent as a studio analyst for Fox, it, it kind of helped with his ability to address uh, the media. And he kind of hinted at it where he mentioned that, I don't know where this idea that I am some kind of tyrant, this is me just paraphrasing uh, his comments, but uh, I'm not really uh, that way. But he still went on to say, okay, well, he has somewhat changed uh, since his early days as a coach. But, you know, I can't wait to kind of work with him. And what I mean by that is just back and forth that questions and seeing how he handles certain situations that he's going to have to address with this team moving forward. Yeah, I mean, Nick, let's go through a, a couple of the things that were said yesterday that I, I think were key key points. And obviously, we'll get into some of the other stuff in, in different segments. But um, I, I thought some of the the key stuff that we heard yesterday was the relationship with George Payton, right? That's been a big question mark of how are those two going to work together? You mentioned the quote that I thought was really important. He said, hey, everybody thinks I'm a tyrant, uh, but I, I don't you know, want control like everybody thinks I want control of the team. Obviously, he's going to have a lot of control of what goes on, but George Payton is still going to be the general manager. Uh, I think some other things that came up, the search itself, right? It was brought up about D'Amico Ryans. Uh, it was brought up about, you know, wanting maybe other coaches and both Sean Payton and Greg Pinner talked about, Hey, you know, yeah, sure. Everybody talks about interviewing other guys, but we ended up landing on Sean. He was our guy for the last few days. We tried to work through a deal. It was a complex deal. Uh, I think is the way George Payton phrased it. Uh, and then Russell Wilson, and I know we'll get into Russell Wilson a little bit later, but he had some really interesting comments. I think my biggest takeaway from all of that, Nick, is they have an adult 
as the head coach now. And I'm not saying Nathaniel Hackett is not an adult, <laughs> uh, but it's it's it was very different from what we heard from Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, this guy this guy's laying down the law. This guy's been to the top of the mountain. He knows what it looks like. Uh, this the success level, the winning pedigree that this guy has. You can feel that when he speaks, uh, and you can just tell that uh, it's going to be a different culture around around Denver than what it has been the last few years. It's funny you said, okay, well, now you have an adult in the room, but you said, well, that you're not trying to take a shot at uh, Nathaniel Hackett. And it's, it's almost like when someone says, hey, man, no disrespect, and then the statement follows. Yeah, of course, if they preface with their statement by no disrespect, everything about what they're going to say that comes after, it's all about disrespect. So it is funny that you say that. It, it, it was was crazy is that there were so many individuals in, the, in that uh, press conference yesterday from the media who were saying the same thing, and they, they kind of addressed it the same way that you say, no disrespect to Nathaniel Hackett, but there's an adult in the room dealing with the players. I'll say this. I won't go as that that far, but you, you can feel the energy was a little different in the room. And you could tell that by the number of local media that came out who, George, we have never seen them out in, in full force like that uh, all season. But there was local media out. There was national media out. So that tells you that this means something to – the media, both locally and nationally, and there's something unique about Sean Payton. That the fact that he was, I mean, he only won one Super Bowl, but he was a mainstay in the playoffs. Broncos country, they're starving for that. I mean, they they caught a glimpse of it, what it could be like, but when you get a guy like Sean Payton, it's like, man, okay, things are not going to change around that fast, but at least we know we have a guy who has the mental capacity to get this offense back on track. And I try to uh, warn people, especially those in the media, because you get a guy like Sean Payton. I know the enthusiasm is going to be there. Okay, he's going to fix Russ. Now we're off and running the playoffs, the Super Bowl. And I'm like, man, let's pump our brakes for a second. He still has a lot to do with that offense and, more importantly, that offensive line. I was about to ask you, Nick, and, and you kind of brought it up, but he was asked about expectations in year one. Um, a couple times, really. And one of the questions was, well, you know, in New Orleans, uh, he came in and they were three and 13 the year before. Obviously, they had Hurricane Katrina. There was a whole bunch of stuff going on there. The next year, they're 10 and six. He wins AP coach of the year in his first season. What should the expectations be for Sean Payton next season? Obviously, it's a different situation than what he was in New Orleans, but he's shown that he can turn a team around fairly quickly. But what, what are your expectations for him in year one? Well, uh, for me, the first thing is, is culture change, right? And getting all the guys on the same page. And he kind of alluded, this, alluded to this in one of his statements. He was just like, well, not, not everyone's going to like it. This is not going to be for everyone, but this is just the way that we're going to do it. And that's going to be the first way that the players have to learn to adjust to Sean Payton and a new culture that he's bringing in because that co the culture will be new. You will see uh, guys moving around at practice opposed to just kind of just kind of walking around. And it's all about finishing for him. Finish everything that you do as a player, and we should see that kind of uh, production shown on the on game day. But I'm I'm not to a point where I am looking at the schedule, George, and say, okay, well. 
this is the amount of games that the Broncos are, are going to win. I, I don't want to get down, down the road too far. I just want to look at small things from the very beginning. So for me, my expectations is the culture change, watching the players adjust to that culture, watching how they practice, how they adjust to their new environment, the new coaching. And then I will be able to tell you, you know what, based on what I'm seeing, what the projections are going to be as far as wins to losses and whether I consider this team to be a playoff caliber team. What about yourself? Yeah, no, I think that that's realistic expectations in year one. And, and that's kind of what he said, Nick. I mean, he, he said basically like, hey, I'm not going to give you a prediction on you know how many games we're going to win, but a real realistic expectation is to see us put in the work and to see us change the culture around here. And, and I think that the emphasis that he had on focus on the details, Nick, um, and, and those sorts of things and, and putting in the extra work, Staying off social media was something, it was some sort of quote about that, right? That, that kind of blew up. You know, I think that those are the small things, Nick, that you want to see change next year. Uh, even game management, he had a quote there off to the side with some media about, hey, I don't think the fans are going to have to count down the play clock next year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I think back, and I wrote this in my story yesterday for the Denver Gazette, that they had nine one-score losses this last year, Nick. In a lot of those games, a handful of those games, good coaching wins them those football games. You think of the Baltimore game, you lose by one. You think of the Colts game that you lose in overtime by a field goal. The Chargers game, you lose in overtime. Both Raiders games, you know, those were poorly managed. I mean, there's a lot of games that they poorly managed last year. They think, hey, man, you you manage those a little bit better. Maybe you win four or five more games last year. Uh, And I think you even look back, Nick, I went back and did the research the last six years, Nick, They've lost 35 games by one score. And that, again, I'm not saying they win all those games with Sean Payton, but there's a handful of those games they probably win with better coaching. And so that, to me, uh, is what you should, should expect next season is when they get into those close games, Sean Payton's going to be able to help them win some of those, get them over the hump. Uh, now, they still have a lot of roster things they need to do. Like you mentioned earlier, they got to go out and get a better offensive line. They got to replace some of these guys. Uh, they got to go out and get some different players in free agency. They've got to draft a couple guys. Um, so there, there's some roster holes on this. You got to hope Russell Wilson improves. And again, we'll get into Russell in an entire se- segment of his own. But that's that's kind of the expectation for me is okay. Can you get over the hump of some of these really close games that again, little things here and there uh, can make the difference. And that's why I think the emphasis on the details was really crucial yesterday. Well, there is uh, this so uh, saying, you probably heard it before, the devil is in the details. And I don't know why uh, the devil was always mentioning it, but the game is about being detail-oriented. If the route calls for you to run a route and break inside at 12, we don't need it at 11. You don't need it at 15. We need it at 12 because that is correlating with the steps that the quarterback is going to have in the pocket, and it takes the pressure off the defense. So those details are going to be uh, really important. And you, you mentioned, Ross, I just want to touch on it really quickly. I know we get into it later. It's going to be on Russell to change some of the details that have been ingrained in him for a while. And we have to see if he can master that as a veteran uh, quarterback. But, yeah, the details are going to be really important. And when we hear the word details, sometimes we automatically, George, think about the X's and O's. No, no, no. See, see, the details happen before you even hit the field 
as far as dealing with the X's and O's. It's like, are you making your, your meetings on time? Are you uh, focusing on the details of uh, your, your workouts, right? How are you studying and watching films? Those are all the details that players have to deal with before they even hit the field. So if you're able to master those details, when the coach gives you the details of the X's and O's and what his expectations are, then you can kind of fulfill those things as a player. And we look at some of the close games that you have listed as far as the percentage of the Broncos' losses over the past couple of years and just losing by the smallest of margins. To me, it does come down to the details because what did we see all last season? When the team moved the ball down the field, someone either fumbled the ball, there was a holding call, there was uh, uh, someone not aligned properly when it comes to uh, lining up for a play. Right. So so those are the details that guys need to focus on once they get into the game. But like I said, those details start way before you ever get your playbook. Yeah, I totally agree. And I thought it was interesting when I kind of asked that joking question about the orange tie. um, He mentioned his pocket square and how he purposely had it pointing upwards because that's the you know symbolic of where they're going, which is a little cheesy whatever. But I think that that, again, speaks to sort of the detail. I mean, there was even the story that uh, I think it was Greg Pinner brought up about his time in New Orleans that he thought the towels weren't big enough. And so they went out and bought bigger towels, Nick. Um, I don't know if that ever happened, you know, while you were playing, if the coach was like, oh, we need bigger towels in the locker room. But that's the sort of uh, attention to detail. It's the small things um, that the Broncos need to focus on. And I think that they've been missing the last few years. So it sounds like Sean Payton is, is going to bring that in quickly, Nick, before we take a break. And um, we'll dive into Russell Wilson in the next segment. Um, who do you think asked the best question yesterday? I mean, you got to give props to your guy, right? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Is, is this another lame attempt for you to, to what well, now get you've already pat yourself on the back. Now yeah. you're trying to get me into the act of patting you on the back. Well, I, yeah, I'll, say, right. I'll say this, George. When uh, I heard, uh, you know, George Story from the Denver Gazette, I, I was I was waiting to see what question that you were going to ask. I, I'll say this, though. Your question kind of got the biggest laugh and the biggest reaction uh, from Sean Payton. So I would definitely give you credit uh, for that. And you could tell some of the media people were trying to warm up to him right away with their cheesy laughs or whatever. But the question that you asked was a very genuine question. And it got or received a very genuine response. So I'll give you credit for that, George Storia. Congratulations. Yes. Yes. In a room full That's- of cheesy media asking, you know, some cheesy questions and cheesy laughs, yours really put the icing on the cake, George. How about I that? I can't tell. I can't tell if that's sarcasm or not, but I'll take the compliment <laughs> from from Nick. No, but, minute, George, you asked me. I gave you a genuine answer, and now you are thinking it's sarcasm. No, man. Seriously, when I, I sat in the second row, you I think you sat uh, what the third or fourth row behind me. Third or fourth, yeah. 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 So when when I heard the last question, right, it was like uh, it was going to George Storia. And when you asked your question, I was sitting there saying, okay, let's see what George is going to ask, because I know he's been waiting for a while to ask this question. So when you asked the question, it was a question that may have been asked before, but it was how you set it up. And then ultimately it was the response of Sean Payton. He didn't go, well, you know, I, I had the question asked before and whatever. He was like, kind of like doing right. Yeah. That's why I wore the orange tie and the orange pocket square 
he got a nice little laugh and he said some other things. So, man, kudos uh, for you. And I couldn't react the way that I wanted to react. Like, yeah, George did it. You know, so I'm doing it now. So once again, it's not sarcasm. It is real, genuine enthusiasm and show of support for you, George. Well, I appreciate that, Nick. I was I was waiting for a standing ovation after it, but I uh, know. Uh, maybe next. Too far. See, <laughs> see, you know what? I mean, see, this is this is why validation is so limited because you always trying to take it somewhere else, George. I mean. I felt like I, I deserved it. So, uh, but uh, Nick, we, we got to take a quick break and then we'll get into Russell Wilson, which I also asked about. People forget I also asked about Russell Wilson briefly before the orange tie. But uh, Nick, we got to take a quick break and then we'll dive into some of Sean Payton's comments on Russell Wilson. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody, we're back from that quick break. Uh, and Nick, enough about me. Um, let's talk about quarterback Russell Wilson. He was obviously a, a big topic yesterday um, at the press conference. I believe he was asked about, I think, the second question. Uh, to Sean Payton was about Russell Wilson. Um, you know, there were some interesting comments made afterwards too in this little media scrum that Sean Payton did. Um, we'll get into those. I asked about Russell Wilson calling him during the interview process, which uh, he gave our boy Latavius Murray a shout out. I, you know, as the presidents of the Latavius Murray fan club, yes. that that felt validating to hear about Latavius Murray reaching out to Sean. But uh, Nick, what did you think of, of Sean's comments about Russell? He didn't really get too much into you know how exactly he's going to help Russell other than hey we're going to maximize what he's great at uh, and we're going to minimize what he's not great at which I think a lot of times this past year Nick we didn't see that from the Broncos it felt oftentimes they were doing things that he's not good at um, and again whose fault that was was it Russell you know wanting to do certain types of things was it Nathaniel Hackett trying to tailor too much to Russell um, you know what were your thoughts on the way that Sean answered some of those questions about him. Well, I think he answered the question uh, uh, as perfect as you can get in your first uh, press conference introduction as a head coach. We're going to focus on things that he does well and the things that he doesn't, which are his weaknesses. We're not going to you know, put too much emphasis on that. I mean, th that's the right way to answer the question. Is there more layers to that? You absolutely right. Because you know, he's thinking when he watched that film of Russ, which he watched, you know, already, he knows some of the things that he wants to tweak. And, and for me, it, it is Russell's uh, uh, footwork. Sometimes last year, uh, sometimes his, his footwork was great and then not, not so great, which led to some, some off throws. So I'm sure he definitely wants to uh, fix that with, with Russ. But I didn't expect Sean Payton to really get into, you know, the real nuts and the bolts of what he really wants to do with his team, and especially with Russell, because he doesn't want that to be known by the media as far as what that game plan is going to be. Because if you give that game plan to the media, when they first start to see Russ or they, they start to ask him questions, they're going to start breaking everything down right away. He doesn't want to do that. Right now, he's in that secret phase, right? It is Area 51 for him. We're not going to give too much details. But the idea is, hey, trust me, I know what I'm doing. Look what I did with Drew Brees. Things definitely going to be different with Russ, but I'm sure he's talked to Russ already, but it wasn't a, a, a more elaborate conversation because he kind of joked about it. I'm going to paraphrase here, 
uh, feel free to correct me if I get this incorrect. But when he said that he talked to Russ, like during this process, he was more or less like, wait, man, hey, uh, my my conversation was really quick because I've had my issues with the league before and I don't want to be in a violation of anything like that again. So they haven't had an in-depth conversation. Now they, they, they will. And Sean Payton will deliver his message and tell him exactly what he expects of him. Now, how quickly can Russ get up to speed in the way that Sean Payton wants? See, that's the thing that we have to wait to see. Yeah, I thought it was funny when I, I asked that question about, you know, did he did he contact him? He it, Sean talked about how, I guess, Drew Brees, who's, I think, close friends with Russell, uh, and they live near each other, I believe, basically said, Russell won't stop talking about you, and he won't leave me alone. Please call this guy. And uh, <laughs> that's the way it went down. So I think it was a very short talk, Nick, uh, between the two. But they did speak very briefly. I'm sure they've spoken since. Um, I'm sure they'll speak a lot here soon about what the plan is and how Sean wants to help him and all that sorts of stuff. But I think it was important to hear, hey, you know, we're going to do what what makes Russell the best. Uh, and if that's going back to some of the stuff they were doing in Seattle, maybe some different stuff, scheming up different sorts of stuff. I mean, that's what Sean Payton's great at, right? I mean, you saw him do that with Drew Brees. He he was able to make his playbook fit what Drew Brees did best. Uh, and I think that that's what you're going to expect here with Russell. It's It's more so... Is Russell going to be accepting of that? And I think he will be. I think this last season was humbling for Russell, right, uh, in terms of the way that he played on the field. And I think he knows he needs to get back to some of that stuff that he wasn't as, as good at uh, or, or there that, that he is good at, right? Uh, and so I think that, that it was kind of an eye-opening thing for him. Let's get into the comments, Nick, because um, about his team, his personal staff or whatever, because those, those were the biggest comments of the day yesterday in terms of Russell. Uh, that was obviously said in the media scrum after, but basically he was asked, hey, are you going to allow uh, Russell's staff, you know, his quarterback's coach, uh, his personal trainer, are they going to have offices in the building? This last year they did have offices in the building. Sean Payton uh, said basically that's foreign to me uh, and uh, that, no, that won't be happening under my watch. Our coaches will be the only ones in the building and the only ones at practice. Nick, what do you think of those comments that Sean Payton made? Well, I mean, those were kind of um, strong comments coming out of the gate about uh, what he expects from Russell and how the staff is going to be built out. And will Russell have uh, an advantage to use all those uh, coaches and massage therapists that he had last year? No, things are going to be different. I'll I'll say this because I've been around uh, Bill Parcells in my time as a player, and Sean Payton is one of those Bill Parcells type of guy. He's going to make sure that everyone is judged equally because in the game of football, we always hear this statement of we're going to treat everyone fair, but not equal. Is is that something that runs rampant through the league? Yeah, absolutely. But this is a way that you can neutralize the situation and deal with it head on and let Russell know that this is not going to happen. And that that's kind of how you build that culture with everyone else in the locker room. The most dominant and high-profile player. It is something that is said or done to to that player that lets everyone know this is the way that it's going to be. But it's not really uncommon for players or certain players, majority. Uh, I'll say uh, from from a position standpoint, being the quarterback because they're viewed as being the most popular guy or the face of the franchise. So they do have. I guess, chances to do certain things that other players don't because they are the quarterback. When you think about the Tom Brady situation, 
yeah, things went awry in New England. But remember, he had his personal trainer there with him all the time. And at first it was it was good. And then it, it went sour. And then Tom was so that he couldn't have his guy. And then I hear Kenny Pickett has something similar, maybe not to the magnitude that Russ has, but some, something or someone to kind of help him uh, manage the game both physically and mentally. But when, when you put these players at this position on the pedestal and say, well, they are the most important players, it's all about catering to those guys. But Sean is not going to do that. He's not going to do that. He's going to have that conversation with Russ. It's about team first. It's about us. But most importantly, it's about me, Sean Payton. Yeah, I mean, I think you said it perfectly, Nick. I, I think last year, oftentimes, Russell was put on a pedestal um, by the coaching staff or by the management, the front office, whatever you want to say. When they traded for him, it was very clear this was the Russell show uh, and that, you know, a lot of things that he wanted to do, they were going to do. Um, I mean, we, we always saw his staff out there at every single practice, Nick. They were out there um, not necessarily coaching or anything, but watching, right? And then they would go into the locker room and, 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 you know, talk to Russ or whatever. So, um, you know, I, I think that this is a good thing uh, again. And I think there's, there's this notion out there, Nick, that Russell isn't accepting to this. I think he is. Uh, I think that Russell wanted Sean Payton. Obviously he called him, like we said, uh, he was very interested. He was bugging Drew Brees about him. And I think Russell knows Sean Payton and what he's going to do is what's best for his career moving forward. Again, I think this last year, he realized, okay, I can't do some of the things that I thought I could do. Uh, and this last year, whatever I was doing didn't go the right way. I need to have somebody that can help me. And I think he knows Sean, while he's going to take away some of that stuff, uh, is going to do what's best for him. So I think he's going to be accepting of it. But it was very clear, Nick. Uh, and this wasn't just about Russell. I mean, he, he was very clear about it with all players, uh, that the standard is, is a little bit different now. Uh, and everybody's on the same playing field and everybody's you know, pushing towards the same goal. Everybody's pulling on the same rope, right? Um, and I think that that was the very clear message. And yes, it, it came off as, yeah, Russell's not going to have this, but it goes for all the players. I mean, I think the comment about staying off of social media and those sorts of things was was directed at several other players. So I, I think that, um, again, while everybody wants to talk about Russell, I think it's also about just about everybody in that locker room. And again, changing the culture, because uh, I think that, there's been too often, Nick, in the last several years that it's not been everybody pulling on the same rope. Uh, and I think that that's going to be the emphasis from Sean Payton from day one is, hey, everybody's in this together. We're all on the same playing field uh, and everybody has to pull their weight for this thing to succeed. It's interesting that you use a kind of example of, of pulling on the rope because immediately I thought about tug of war. When you are uh, in a game of tug of war against an opponent, I mean, sometimes the ground is not going to be as strong as you need it and it's going to break beneath your feet and you're going to start to slide. But then there are players or individuals in, in a game of tug of war that give up and they think that that's it, they're done. But now you have to dig in and you're right. Guys are going to be called on to uh, pull their, their weight. Guys who just kind of let the rope go. Now you have to grab that rope a little tighter this year. And what that means, George, that, Guys are going to have to study a lot more and they're going to have to strain. And that's a word that if you talk to a lot of coaches, they'll tell you that they want to see their players strain. And what that means is that we want to make sure at the end of the game and in the practice, you are exhausted because you gave every single thing that you have. We can go back and we can look at uh, from week one to the end of the season and you'll see certain guys straining. 
but you're not going to see 22 guys straining. You're not going to see guys on special teams straining. But the way it's going to work now, let me know, let me let you know Broncos country and any player that's listening or watching this podcast, listen up. If you are not straining in practice, he will have no problem cutting you and bringing someone in. And the reason he would do that because he being Sean Payton, because he's been around Bill Parcells. You don't be you don't you don't spend time around Parcells and not pick up on some of those things because Parcells was a, he's a Hall of Fame head coach. You don't get to that level unless you're willing to make some tough decisions and make some easy decisions by releasing guys. And we didn't see that last year. So guys got really comfortable, George, and we saw it in the locker room. I mean, even though the guys still love each other and it was carefree, but I didn't really see that fear of losing my job, which can propel a player forward. Don't worry about it this year. You're going to have it, and we're going to see which guys elevate their level of talent and those guys who don't, they're going to get that bus ticket out of town. I was just, I was going to ask you, Nick, how do you think, because you're in that locker room a lot, you're, you have a good relationship with a lot of those guys. How do you think players are going to react to this, uh, this style of coaching? Because it is different than what they've had previously. Um, and also, how do you think they've reacted so far to, to Sean Payton? Well, I mean, so far, I mean, the guys, to my knowledge, haven't really met him. Some guys might have spoken to him. But guys uh, had some comments like KJ Hamler was just like nothing against Nathaniel Hackett. He was a cool dude. They still, you know, text or, or call and check in with one another. But he wanted someone to come in who's going to instill that, that winning attitude, that person who's going to come in and, and really grind on players just a little. And I know there's this belief that guys don't want coaches like that. They do because, believe it or not, guys want to be held accountable. They want to know that, hey, you know, I'm going out there and I'm, I'm giving everything that I have. I'm playing injured that that coach is going to grind on me to make me better because every player wants to be better. If you are a backup, you want to be a starter. If you are a guy who who's a starter that you don't know what it's like to be an all pro or a, be a considered a pro bowler, they want to get to that level. So KJ Hamler, he wants the coach to grind on him in that way. There's one guy who should be quite familiar with this type of coaching and the culture that Sean Payton is going to bring in. And that's Jerry Judy. And the reason why he was coached by Nick Saban. And where did Nick Saban learn his first traits? Bill Belichick, who learned them from guess what? Bill Parcells. So Jerry already knows what he walk, he's walking into. Some of the other players, they don't. But that grinding on players is, man, it's going to make these guys so much better. And they already showed that they were a cohesive unit last year. All they needed was the right pieces and the right coaching. And I can't wait to see what this team does this year. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a handful of guys, Nick, that should be really excited about this move, right? I mean, you mentioned Jerry Judy. I think his his career could blow up, um, you know, from here. You know, I, I think that he he could have, you know, become a superstar in this type of offense. And obviously, like you said, I think he's used to this type of coaching under, you know, Nick Saban and, and, and you know, all of those guys. So, uh, I think there's there's several of those guys. Uh, look, at the end of the day, Nick, if Latavius Murray gives his stamp of approval, I am all in as the you know co-president of the Latavius Murray fan club. Um, and him him texting Sean Payton, it sounded like pretty much right after Nathaniel Hackett got hired, that said, "Hey, come to Denver." Um, you know, I'm on board with that. I hope I hope that means Latavius is back next season. I know you and I have been pushing for that, but him shouting him out with you know unprompted in the press conference seems like a good thing for Latavius Murray um but uh, again I, I think that 
in the end, yeah, is it going to be uncomfortable at times? You know, Sean said that. Yes, it is. And there's going to be guys that they're not used to it. Um, but that's good. I think that that's what this this organization needs. I think this is what the franchise has missed the last several years. Uh, they haven't really had it with the last few coaches. And uh, I think that Sean's pedigree, his his background of winning, uh, he, the, these players will, will buy in because they know that he's been successful before. And uh, the ones that don't, Nick, I, I think the Broncos will move on from him. So, and, and at the end of the day, I think that's what you have to do as, as a team. So we'll see how it plays out, Nick. We got to take a quick break. Then we'll dive into uh, some of the coaching staff changes um, as well as, you know, who are some guys that they might be interviewing this week for some open spots. Uh, and then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up the podcast from there. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody, we're back from that quick break. Uh, and Nick, with Sean Payton's press conference out of the way, he's going to be start filling his staff here soon. Uh, I know last podcast we talked a little bit about uh, Ejiro Evero. Um, obviously he's off to the Panthers now. He was let out of his contract. So the Broncos have to f- hire a defensive coordinator. Um, it looked like it was going to maybe be Brian Flores there for a minute. He ends up getting the job in Minnesota as their defense coordinator. That leaves Sean Desai, who's the Seahawks defensive uh, assistant. I believe also associate head coach was the bears defensive coordinator in 2021. Um, you know, worked alongside Vic Fangio for a long time in Chicago that's kind of where he, he kind of got his footing in the league uh, and, and is now recommended by Vic Fangio, I believe, for this job. Uh, what do you make of him? And is there any other candidates out there that you could see maybe getting interviewed for this defensive coordinator spot for the Broncos? Well, Sean Desai, uh, right off the bat, don't really know too much uh, about him. Have to do with some more research on him. But here's what I, I'll, I'll tell you about him. Just the mere fact that you say that, okay, he coached in Chicago at one point came highly recommended by Vic Fangio. That tells you right there what, I guess, Sean Payton or Vic Fangio thinks of Sean Desai. And just think about what this defense has had to endure over the past couple of years. You go from Vic Fangio to Juro Everold, then you, everything is up in the air. And the biggest thing about the NFL is familiarity, whether it's a coach and GM or whether it is coach and player and the scheme within itself. So, when you've had, you know, uh, a guy like Jura Evero who spent time around Vic Fangio, so he was able to duplicate some of the same nuances that uh, Vic was employing. Now you want to make sure that you stay on that same train and you kind of make sure the basic building blocks are still there. So to bring in someone who has a defense, somewhat a philosophy similar to Vic Fangio, to me, that that's smart, right? That's a smart thing to do because I can tell you this, Having to learn three different offensive schemes or defensive schemes in three consecutive years, I don't care how many years you are as a professional in this league, it is going to be tough. It's a lot of learning curves. And then defensively, now someone brings in a new system, George. Now, I don't know where I really fit now. What what do I fit in the run game? I know you told me I'm supposed to be here, but the guys who are on the D-line, DJ Jones, Draymond Jones, they're trying to figure it out too as well. So that means that learning curve for the players, it's going to be a really steep one. But if Desai is the name, the DC, it makes things a lot easier for the guys because when you have been in the system 
for multiple years and we see it around the league, guys become more comfortable offensively and defensively. So it 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 it, it behooves uh, the Broncos uh brass to go out and get someone who's going to bring in a similar system. The wording is going to be a little different, but you know the system is going to be similar so these guys can go back go out, pin their ears back and be aggressive defensively. Yeah, I mean, Desai obviously sounds like he's the front runner, Nick. Um, I'd be shocked. Well, I wouldn't. I, would, I don't know if I would be shocked, but it would. I would be a little bit surprised if he ends up not being the choice. But is there anybody else out there, Nick, that you think could be a candidate? Anybody that you would advocate for? I know uh, you mentioned. I think it was Chris Richard the other day. Yeah. Um, you know, I know he's available. I wonder if he could be the you know DB's coach in some capacity. But is there anybody else out there that you're like, hey, they need to go after that guy? Okay, well, let's start with Chris Richard. Uh, I mean, he was a D coordinator with the Saints for a couple of years. Uh, obviously, he was relieved of his duty, but he is uh, quite familiar with Sean Payton and vice versa. So I can see him, if not being a defensive coordinator candidate, but maybe being a, a secondary coach. I spent some time around him when he was coaching in Seattle with the Legion of Boom, and he always had those guys on point. And he is another detail-oriented uh, coach and to get your back end of uh, you know detail I guess resolved as far as getting everyone on the same page Chris Sarge would definitely do a great job but here's another guy uh, Steve Wilkes he's still out of work uh, right now he was uh, he wasn't hired as a head coach for the Carolina Panthers he's uh, been a defensive coordinator in this league for several years and over time his defensive units have performed well probably finishing maybe in the top 10 may not all in the top five but uh, he, he's a guy that's really smart. He knows his game really well. And I think that his personality would mesh well with that of Sean Payton. But we just have to see uh, how things work out in the end. Yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see if they interview anybody else. Um, I, I would assume they probably will um, just because Sean Payton seems like somebody that's going to do his due diligence. But it does seem like things are kind of moving quickly on that side. I also wanted to ask you, Nick, because I think we, we didn't get to really talk about it much last time because it just happened um, recently. How, how sad are you to maybe see Evero go? Obviously, we, we kind of talked about it, Nick. It was always going to be tough to, I think, keep him just because uh, it seemed like he wanted a fresh start. That's ended up, you know, what he got uh, going to the Panthers. And, and, you know, he didn't end up landing a head coaching job. Seems like he's still on the path to get a head coaching job here soon, maybe the next couple of years. Um, but uh, how disappointed were you to see him see him go? Yeah, I was really uh, disappointed to, to watch him uh, walk out of the door. I thought he did an exceptional job in his, his first year as a D.C. And, and keeping this in mind, how, how difficult that transition is. You go from being like a DB coach to now being the man that is supposed to put all the schemes together against some of these top teams in his league and Kansas City being one. They're going to be in the Super Bowl here on Sunday. So I thought he did one heck of a job in his first year and to watch him leave and go somewhere else, that, that's always difficult. And he was one of those guys I look forward to talking to every day uh, at practice. But these are the things that happen when you do well. Uh, you are highly coveted and there's going to be somewhat of a transition. Now, the Carolina Panthers, I, I did not even really see them in a the mix. Uh, to be totally honest, George, I thought he was going to join Kevin O'Donnell, who he coached with in uh, Los Angeles join Minnesota. So when I heard the news that he was going to Carolina Panthers, I was happy. They have a very talented defense, and I'm sure he's going to get those guys up to speed really quickly. But uh, that was a team I did not see 
uh, him actually joining. But my fingers were crossed. I was knocking on wood, had a four-leaf clover in my back pocket, hoping that he would stay and they would be able to work things out. But this is NFL, and things don't typically work out that way. But uh, all in all, man, I'm happy for him and his family. You you leave one job and you have another job. You know, that that's what you hope that happens because being unemployed is not a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really happy for him because I, I do think that you know, he wanted a fresh start. And, and again, like I've said before, he was best friends with Nathaniel Hackett. And, and I think that obviously he didn't like the way things went. Um, and, and he was a part of that too, right? He was part of this coaching staff and, and all that. But I think that he was looking for something to, to go do that was uh, not staying in Denver. And, and I think Sean Payton wanted him to stay, but he also respected where, where Ijero was coming from. Um, and so, like you said, though, I, I was kind of surprised it was Carolina. I always thought it was going to just be the Vikings because it made a lot of sense. There was a lot of speculation there for, for a few weeks now. Um, but uh, I think Frank Reich's going to do a really good job there. That's a young team. Uh, they're probably going to go out and get a young quarterback in the draft. Um, so they're going to be kind of an exciting team to watch. And, and again, I think he's going to have you know more opportunities next year to possibly be a head coach. So uh, good for him. And, and again, I think the Broncos will be just fine. They'll figure it out. Sean Payton is a smart coach. He'll go out and get a d- good defensive coordinator. Nick, on the offensive side of the ball, we haven't heard much about who he might hire as, as his offensive coordinator. Obviously, it's not as important because he's the one Sean's calling the plays, right? He called him for 15 years in New Orleans. So the offensive coordinator position maybe isn't as important as it was previously, but um, you know he still has got to fill out that, that coaching staff. Obviously, uh, Joe Lombardi, who was the Chargers offensive coordinator this last year, was the quarterback's coach for the Saints for a long time. Makes a lot of sense. He's on the market, uh, right? He was let go by the Chargers. So uh, he would make sense there. You know, I think there's probably other some some young names out there that you could, you know, elevate from a quarterback's role or wide receiver's role or whatever uh, to be your offensive coordinator. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I haven't really heard a ton of names out there, Nick. Uh, you know, Daryl Bevel, maybe. Uh, Brian Schottenheimer was hired as the Cowboys offensive coordinator, so he's off the table. Um, you know, is there any names out there that, have, have, you know, surprised you about, hey, maybe that guy could be the offense coordinator? No, not really, but it's interesting you mentioned Joe Lombardi. I, I think that would be a great hire because, once again, let's remember what this game is about. It's about uh, familiarity and coaching your coaches. But when you have guys who've been around you, they, they know your language, they know how you prepare as a coach and your expectations of the players, you need to surround yourself with more of those guys because now – you can spend your time as a, a play calling head coach delegating instead of, you know, having your hand in so many of uh, things where you cannot call timely timeouts or the game management issues. And here's the other thing uh, you just said, I mean, Lombardi is coming over from the Chargers. The Chargers have good, good players, good talent on the offensive side of the ball, and they have Justin Herbert. Who can tell your defensive coordinator more about the intricacies and the weaknesses of the individual players better than Joe Lombardi because he's been there. And once again, we're talking about how can the Broncos get to the playoffs, win a playoff game, and ultimately position themselves for a a push for a Super Bowl. It's winning and beating the teams within your conference and in your division, more importantly. So if you have someone who's your inside man to give you that information, that works well for the team. Now, one of the other bigger questions as far as positions were concerned was, who was going to be the offensive line coach? Obviously, we talked about it. You know, we wave a banner for Latavius Murray, but we also were waving a banner for Mike Munchak. It doesn't seem like Mike Munchak is going to be that guy. I think it's a guy by the name of Zach Stiriff, 
who once uh, once upon a time was a player for uh, the New Orleans Saints. I hear that that is the person who Sean Payton is looking to come in and lead his offensive line. So Sean Payton is no fool. He's been in this game a long time, and he's going to surround himself with some uh, coaches who have the same mindset that he has. But once again, we go back to this. How would the players and how quickly can they adjust to the new culture that's going to be established under this coaching staff? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is going to be Zach Steriff. I think that was reported yesterday, Nick, actually in the middle of Sean Payton's press conference. Um, but And he's a guy that, like you said, he played, I think, 11 or 12 years for the Saints, was an all-pro uh, spent the last year, the last two years as the assistant offensive line coach in New Orleans. So obviously somebody he's familiar with. If I were a betting man, Nick, I would bet Joe Lombardi's on the staff in some capacity, whether that's as the offensive coordinator or, you know, some other position title, uh, quarterbacks coach easily could, could be his role. We'll see. Um, but I think he'll be on this, but it, it's going to be interesting to see. I do think that the staff will be, you know, hired here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, could take some time, obviously, you know, maybe there's some people on the Super Bowl staffs um, that that maybe Sean Payton wants to go after, maybe a young coach that, you know, gets a position job. We'll see. Um, but, Nick, that brings me to the last couple things we got to talk about before we get out of here. No episode on Thursday. Uh, so let me – because you're going to the Super Bowl, right? You're going down there. I don't know if you're going to the game, but you're going down there for the festivities this week. So hit me with your prediction for the Super Bowl this week. Wow, I love the, the fact that you say the festivities and I'll call them just that. Um, no, I'm not staying for the game I never do, but uh, I am going to choose uh, Fly Eagles Fly. I just think that uh, uh, based on what they've done defensively, but more importantly, ball control offense, not turning the ball over, but showing as though they can use and deploy multiple guys in the run game to really keep the defense off balance. Uh, as long as you kind of find out where Chris Jones at, is located because they move him around in Kansas City and you're able to neutralize him, Jalen Hurts should be should have a great day throwing the ball down the field. So I'm going fly, Eagles fly. I also like the Eagles. Uh, so does Sean Payton. I thought that was also an awesome quote uh, yesterday about uh, we don't ever cheer for anybody in the division to win anything. Right. Um, uh, I thought that was a mentality that this organization has lacked maybe the last few years, uh, speaking too kindly of the Chiefs. But uh, I, I also just like the Eagles in this game, Nick. I think that they've been the best football team all year in the NFL. Uh, I think they've only lost one game with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. I'm sure he's feeling a little bit more healthy. Um, you know, I like that they're able to run the football. Uh, they're able to do some different things. I like their offensive line. Uh, I think that they can, they can, you know, take the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands, and the more you can do that, uh, the better chance you have against them. And then you talk about some of the guys that are out for the Chiefs offensively. Uh, I just think it might be tough for them to overcome. And again, never count out Patrick Mahomes. I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to come down to the end. Uh, but I do like the Eagles at the end of the day because I think they'll be able to uh, control the pace of the game um, and keep it out of Mahomes' hands. But uh, Nick, last note before we get out of here, kind of a bittersweet note for me. This is my last episode of Touchdown Denver. Uh, it's been a blast. I've accepted a job elsewhere. Uh, I won't be covering the Broncos anymore. It's It's going to be public here relatively soon i'll put it out there but uh this is my last episode here my last day actually at the gazette uh is this friday so um this is me kind of signing off but it's been a pleasure nick uh i've had a blast on this podcast i know you guys are uh gonna have somebody you know fill in and probably be a lot better than me uh so i i'm sure you're looking forward to that nick you won't have any more 
you know, George just patting himself on the back uh, uh, talk, but uh, it's been, it's been a pleasure for sure being on here. The pleasure has been uh, all mine. Yeah, man, it is a uh, bittersweet to know that, that you are signing off. But uh, as I would say to you, uh, as I would say to anyone, I mean, it's an upward uh, movement. Everyone is trying to do that. And I wish you uh, the best wherever it is that uh, you're going. I know you are do uh, one hell of a job. You've done that for the Denver Gazette. You've also done that here on the uh, Touchdown Denver podcast. So I wish you nothing but uh, great tidings and blessings as you uh, move forward. And just always remember this, George, if you don't toot your own horn, right, and validate yourself, no one else will. So continue to do that, my friend. And uh, I can't wait to see what you do next. Yeah, I will always toot my own horn. You don't have to worry about that, Nick. Uh, <laughs> uh, there it is. I laid it up for you, right? I yeah. laid it up for you. I uh, uh, like Dwayne Wade and LeBron James here uh, throwing yeah. lobs to each other. But, uh, but yeah, I'm super excited for the next opportunity. I'll put that out you know, sometime in the next few weeks where I'm headed. But uh, it's been a blast. I've enjoyed every minute of it. Um, you know, I, I can now root for the Broncos, I guess, from a distance. I, you know, I think that this fan base deserves some success and I think that they might finally get it here with Sean Payton, the direction he has it, but, uh, that's it for me on touchdown Denver. Make sure you guys continue to like subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you keep listening to Nick Ferguson and whoever the next, uh, co-host is. I'm again, I'm sure they will be a lot better, uh, than I've been the last few months, but, uh, that's it for us. And, uh, we will see you guys next week.